Today we have a special guest with us today. Pastor John, uh, David Johnson is going to be giving us a sermon. So please give him a big hand and welcome from here in Des Moines. Thank you. Yes, my name is Dave Johnson. I'm part of the staff at Hope, and it's uh, my privilege to be a part of, uh, of this. Um, we uh, began our ministry in Great Falls, Montana, a number of years ago, and when we were there, our uh, best friends were Tom and Delphine Householder. And uh, Mike at that time was about six or seven years old with his brothers. Uh, I think he was, uh, I don't know if he was the oldest or not, but anyway, it's funny how life goes full circle. Our son is Jeremy, and Jeremy came to uh, be at Hope uh, here uh, about five, six, seven years ago as an intern. And uh, it turned out that uh, after he was here, we came down to visit, and Mike invited us to come down and be a part of it. And it's, it's been just such a tremendous blessing. And uh, to see the life changing and to be a part of, uh, of something. And our eyes have been very much on you and what's happening and taking place uh, here and the ministry that you're doing, and uh, it's just vital, and it, it, it's, it just needs to be done so desperately in this world in which we live. Let's pray for just a moment. Dear God, we have come here tonight to uh, seek in your presence, and uh, we've come here uh, with all sorts of uh, situations in our life, things of joy and things perhaps not of joy, but uh, we acknowledge that you are the giver of our lives and you are the source of our life. And we thank you for your spirit. And we pray collectively for each other. And uh, uh, God, it's good to be in a place of people who really desperately will that for each and every one. The best, the best that comes in you. Uh, bless us, we pray in your name. Amen. Well, you heard the lesson. Uh, the church in Philippi was coming apart at the seams, and uh, Paul is in prison. He's established this congregation along with others, and now he's in Ephesus, and he's in prison, and he doesn't know when he's going to get out. In fact, he doesn't know if he's ever going to get out because he suspects that he might be put to death. And the people in Philippi were close to him. Philipp Philippi was uh, called in that uh, world uh, the, the Little Rome. And it had been uh, founded, and many of the people who, when Paul came, were former Roman soldiers. And as part of... Uh, the Caesar's reward for their victories that they had gained, they got land that was just stripped away from the Philippians. And so they kind of formed the nucleus and set the stage uh, for what was when Paul got there, a very highly competitive society, a society on merit, a society of prestige, and one worked very diligently in their lives to achieve that position of rank and privilege. And yet Paul comes there to preach Christ and Christ crucified. But he's in prison now and he's in Ephesus. 
And the word comes that the church in Philippi is coming apart at the seams. And what was the source of the problem? I think we have an indication of that in the words that just come immediately before the text that was read. When Paul wrote back to those people, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others. You must have the same attitude that was the attitude in Christ. What was the problem in Philippi? Well, it's the problem that's all around us. It's the problem that has infected humankind since Adam and Eve were in the garden. You remember that story? And what was the temptation? The temptation for them was to eat of the fruit, and if they'd eat of the fruit, they would what? Become like God. And so that's the temptation of all of us, to become gods unto ourselves. And the, and the greatest in terms of Christianity, the greatest of all sins is pride. It's the blackest sin, and it's the center of all human misery. And uh, C.S. Lewis says, you know, most of us don't recognize pride in ourselves, but what we do recognize is the pride we see in other people. Lewis says there's a test to see if you've got a problem with pride. And the test is this. It's how much you hate pride in other people. If today, I had a reminder. I'm trying to rehab my foot so I can do some things that I want to do. And I'm in the swimming pool, and I'm, I'm walking laps, 50 meters. I'm walking laps. And I'm just getting in, and I'm, the water's not cold, but you're getting used to it. And I see this guy swimming towards me. And he is taking the biggest strokes that I've seen. And, he, and every stroke that he hits, he slaps the water as hard as he can. He slaps the water, and when he comes by me, he slaps the water, and all this water goes into my face. And, and I thought, I looked at him, and I thought, I didn't know Michael Phelps was in the town. I mean, who is this guy anyway? It was my pride. And so I ask you about pride. How do you like it when people snub you? How do you like it when people ignore you? What do you think of it when those people who always got to be the center of attention, that person who's always got to be the center of focus at the parties, that person who always seems to be showing off? C.S. Lewis says the problem with pride is that it's competitive. Pride puts us in competition with each other. We see it in the matter of riches, in the matter of intelligence, in the matter of, uh, of looks. And what we see is it's not just important to be rich for people. 
but it's most important to be richer. It's nice to be good looking, but to be better looking is so much better. It's nice to be smart, but it's much better to be smarter. Have you ever wondered why people could be given a salary, say, of 20, 30, 40 million dollars a year, and their company does extremely well, and, and there's bonuses, and there comes another 20, 30 million dollars. And you wonder, what do people do with all that money beyond what they will ever spend in their lives? Why don't they just turn around some of that money and, and, and look at those people who are living at minimum wage in that company, but I don't hear that happening very often. And one person gave an explanation for why, and I think it's true. Numbers matter. Numbers matter when you're counting. And if your goal is to be richer, if your goal is to be somewhat superior to others, then, then it's almost impossible to give it away. Well, you say, Dave, what about pride in my job? What about pride in my family? What about pride in, in my kids? What about telling them to take pride in doing a good job? There's nothing wrong with that if it's held in check. But what I'm talking about is being full of yourself. You ever met a person who was full of themselves? Have you ever had to try to have a relationship with a person who was just full of themselves? By that I mean what really dominates their life is their own self-interest. And they do little, if anything, for anyone else because they're full of themselves. I think of a guy by the name of Andy Stanley. He was preaching a sermon one time and he was talking about his interests, his own interests. He said, I know my interests and I love my interests. And then he told about how his wife had decided that she'd like to have a garden and wondered if he'd want to help her plant the garden. He said, I know my interests. I love my interests. And I wasn't interested in a garden. And besides that, he said, I knew what she was going to plant. She was going to plant vegetables. And I hate vegetables. I know my interests. I love my interests. Think about the people who took an interest in you. As I look back on my life, I, I was blessed by people who took an interest. People who, who weren't so full of themselves that they could have time somehow to invest in, in me. His name was Marco Goda. He was the un uncle of my football coach, but also he was the owner of Sportland in Moorhead, Minnesota. Sportland was a, a sold sporting goods 
And uh, I'd go down there and get things and got to know Marco. And Marco always seemed to take an interest for some reason. And uh, our friendship grew. It was a time, as I was graduating from high school, when we all faced the draft some way or another. So how were you going to do that? And they had a program at that time that you could go six months in the Army on active duty. And then for me, if you got in before you were 18 and a half, it was three and a half years of active reserve, and then it was five more years of inactive reserve. And so it was now time when I was going to be going down to Fort Knox, Kentucky for basic training by myself. I didn't. And uh, I was saying goodbye to Marco. And Marco looked at me and he said, you know, you might get yourself in a tough spot down there. I don't know what it could be, he said, but you might just get yourself in a very tough spot. And he said, you may not want to tell your parents about that. But he said, if that ever happens, you call me, he said. Because I'm here, and I'll help you. I never called Marco. But I never forgot a man who cared that much for me and took that much interest in me. Paul's in prison, and uh, he hears of this dissension that's going on in this congregation in Philippi. And as I said, uh, it's obvious that there was selfishness, there was trying to impress, that there was a lack of humility, that people thought themselves better than other people. That's all there. And so here is Paul. He can't go and talk to them personally. He can't get them on the phone. None of that stuff is available to him. The only things available to him is to sit down and write a letter. And that's what we got here. We got the letter that he wrote. And what we have in that letter is some of the greatest words scholars would tell you that were ever written about Jesus as a descriptor. And I'm going to use my own language, but as I memorized it, have this mind among yourselves that you have in Christ Jesus. That's where he begins. Have this mind among yourselves that you have in Christ Jesus. Although he were in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and took on, in the Greek, is the form of a slave. Humbled himself, became obedient, even obedient unto death on the cross. The worst fate possible for a Roman citizen would be a cross. To die naked on a cross was the worst fate a human could experience. And that's what Paul is saying. What he's talking to them about is the need for humility. The need to empty them, their, themselves 
because it says of Christ, he emptied himself and took on the form of a servant. Is there a situation in which you need to empty yourself? Are you in some sort of relationship where you pray that if only this person would be willing somehow to empty themselves of what separates and just open themselves? How, how about those times when, when there's been a shattering of a relationship and you were just so sad about that. And you wondered what to do, and in your heart of hearts, you believed that you were right. And there was that ego within you that said, no way, no way. If that's the way she wants it, that's the way it's going to be. And then you went. And you said, I, I don't know what happened between us. But I want you to know that I'm sorry it has. If I've hurt you in any way, please forgive me. And suddenly there was this life, this relationship, this thing. Paul was in prison, and uh, he sends the message to have the mind of Christ. And that's part of what it means to be a Christian, isn't it? To learn more and more to know the mind of Christ and to have the mind of Christ. We've had some real tragic sadnesses in the Hope family. Death has come far too soon for some people. It's really been tragic. And uh, one of the things that, uh, that's called upon is for the church to speak into situations where the world has gone silent. When there's nothing else left to say. And then the words that are spoken are words that reflect not the person speaking, but the mind of Christ. In the mind of Christ, changes and speaks to a level where humans can't express on their own. At the very core of the gospel as it's been revealed to us is that we are asked to deny ourselves and follow Jesus. We're told that in dying we receive, that we are to die to ourselves in order 
that we might live to God. And uh, I just remember a time when uh, I was really going through a tough time. I was just about ready to graduate from college. And I was really full of myself. And I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. And I was thinking of all the different things that I would like to do, but it was all about me. All about what I wanted. And that's where I thought that life could be found in somehow attaining what Dave Johnson needed. And then there came a night that we went to a banquet, Benita and I, and a man gave a message. He didn't say much about Jesus. He talked about where life could be found. He was a Christian, it was understood. But there was some time during the course of that message that that man gave that night that I found myself saying yes to Christ. Lord, I don't, I don't have the answer. Lord, everywhere I turn, I don't see what I'm looking for. And I'm a prisoner to myself. I'm a prisoner to my wants, to my needs. It's all about me, and frankly, Lord, I'm sick of myself. Free me from this bondage of death, as Paul says. And there did come this sense of new life, this purpose. I remember reading once that a man or woman needs a cause in their life that's bigger than themselves that keeps them from despair. I needed something bigger than me to live for. And Jesus was the answer. And I just remember the joy that came. Now I'd like to tell you that it's just been super ever since, but it hasn't. In fact, that surrender and resurrender of my life goes on daily. Because there is this old nature in me. It's still around. It's the old Adam. It's the person who really wants to be full of himself. And every day that wants to send me in a direction. And if I go in that direction, I end up realizing that where this is going to take me ultimately, if I were to follow it, is to death not to life. And so the walk with Christ is not a once and for all thing, but it's daily, the dying to self and the receiving of the life that is now and will last forever. I don't know where you are and I don't know what uh, situation is with you. But sometimes we just get sick of ourselves. We need something greater. We need something to keep us from despair. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life.